With a joyful heart, we listen to the word of God. Scripture reading take, uh, for this morning is taken from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, but a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty con conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let us invite our Pastor Vincent to preach. The title is Faith, Hope, Love. Shall we all pray together? Fathers, we come before you, and we just want to give thanks to you. And on this Sabbath day on the Lord, the day you appointed to all of us, that we gather to hear your voice, to hear your word, and to listen to your hymn. And may we be refreshed, be, um, be refreshed, be renewed in your word. So, Father, as we going on with this Sunday worship service, would you grant power, strength to your servant, and see preach, he could preach in accordance with your word. And in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So if you have a Bible along with you, now we shall turn to the book of Hebrew, chapter 12, chapter 10. Chapter 10, in verses 19 to 25. And there is a reason why the author of Hebrew, it places so much emphasis on the high priestly work of Jesus. So if we have ever listened and read the whole book of Hebrews, we will see every place in the book of Hebrews, there is a very significant point in there. Whether the author is talking about how we should preserve, how we should endure in the last time, in the persecutions, and how we should see the faith in Jesus Christ. And, once, and one of the most important and one of the most significant faith of the Jewish faith is that the sacrificial system. And that's why the book of Hebrew, the author, puts so much emphasis on the place of the place and position of Jesus Christ. Now that implies one thing, that the original reader of the book of Hebrew, they were Christians, the Jewish Christians. And from the behavior, from the actions they have in the book of Hebrew, they were drawing back from Christianity into the Jewish belief. And they were practicing the sacrificial system in the Old Testament. As we know, it is sacrifice. So one of the requirements from God to set up the sacrificial system is you ought to sacrifice, you ought to worship and give God the worship by an animal without blemish, which is the perfect, without sickness, without illness, it is a without blemish animal to God in order to please him and in order to ask for forgiveness. 
So the blood of the bull and the blood of the goats is so essential in this Old Testament liturgy, in this Old Testament sacrificial system, especially on the Day of Atonement. Now picture that. Before the high priest entered the Holy of the Holies, and he ought to kill the bulls first, by using the blood of the bulls in front of God just to please God and cleanse and ask for forgiveness from God before he can please God, he can make intercession from, for his people. And so later on, he will kill the goats and make intercession uh, for his people. Now here we can see one point, and this high priest, he ought to be cleansed and he ought to be asked, he ought to ask the forgiveness from God first before he asks the intercessions for his people. And if we have noticed by the book of Hebrew, and especially the author says that the blood of the bulls and goats is impossible to take away any sins. So they needed a perfect sacrifice. They all need the perfect priest just to please God. Because the, in the Old Testament, all the ancient Israelites, they all need to yearly after year after year, they all still need to give up the sacrifice to God. In other words, there is a limitation in the system of high priests and in this animal. So we can conclude in this way. To believe in Jesus Christ alone, it's enough. All they need is Jesus Christ. But it left us with it left us with a lot of questions that why these fellow Jewish Christians, they were drawing back to the Jewish faith. And to the extent they know that when Jesus Christ, to believe to have faith in Jesus Christ, is just enough. So taking a look at the context, it's, it's uh, really important. So we can see that this group of Christians, they're facing two great difficulties, one persecutions. Persecution from the Jewish people. So if you are Jews and you are following Christians, you are following the belief in Christianity and you will be persecuted. And number two, it's because of the teaching of the Jewish faith. And because there is something teaching, something interesting, something fascinating in the Jewish faith. Now, unlike Christianity, if we walk to the church, there's nothing we can see in this building that is so glamorous. If we walk to the temple, there's gold, there's all gems, and this well-built, it's so glamorous, it's splendid. And not to mention that our priests, the, the costume of the priests and the costume of the pastors in this day, it's non-comparable, it's a real bit difference. And in the Old Testament, the costume of the priests, we have a lot of gems upstairs, but right now, it's just so normal for them. So what's so fascinating about Christianity when we can see that there's a lot of, it's a lot more glamorous, it's a lot more splendid liturgy system, the costume, and the atmosphere that we can find in this Jewish temple. So nonetheless, the author of, the author of Hebrew whether they were drawing back to the old Jewish faith because of persecutions or because of the teaching of the Jews, the author keep exhort that you ought not to return to the old faith and you ought to preserve in the current faith. 
Now, the sec- now in, in our pastor school this week, one of the talks was specifically about indigenous ministry. Now, some responded, the Iban, the Badayo, the, all of the indigenous people, my, our friends, they will all tend to go back to the old custom, the superstitious belief. Now, when I think about that, it's not true. It's not just only them. A lot of people, all of us, especially Chinese also, that we tend to go back to our old customs, to our old belief, especially Christians. Now, we can reasonably say that most Christians, we have been, we have been through many fundamental courses. We know a lot of fundamental beliefs, baptism, regenerations, the forgiveness of sins, and the last day, and so on. We know all of them. But to some extent, we will still try to rely on the things we see, we touch, and we hear, which may be our own traditional rituals or some of the rituals and traditions in the church. Now, if you have seen the movie Silence, it's basically about a priest from Portugal who tries to bring the Catholic faith to Japan. Now, in the end, the first priest who went to Japan, he was persecuted. And later on, the main character who followed the path of his master, he went to Japan, and again, he was persecuted. So, the Japanese forced him to abandon his Christian faith in front of all the people by stamping, by stomping, by stepping on the statue, the figure of Christ. Now the priest was very struggled at first. He, wasn't, he had no idea what to do in that moment. And later on, he heard a voice saying that, it's okay, just step on me by Jesus. And Jesus allowing him to step on it, and the priest did so. And now that brings us to the reflections that while we have the fundamental belief in all of our life, and we are still clinging to these symbolic things rather than to the true essence of faith, and we rather to cling on to catch on something we see, the visible thing, hearable and sensible things, without catching that true essence of faith. Now, we all recognize that to some extent that there is a conflict between the folks' beliefs and Christianity. And sometimes the church can be overly emphasized with the ritual and formalism. Now, in the culture of church packaging, if I may say so, do we really cling on, do we really catch on the thing we should value, which is the invisible God? Or do we catch on or do we cling on the visible object? And now let me give you an example. And suppose today that the cross of the church and this church right here, the building, were forced to be demolished. And we might feel sad, we might feel disappointed, and we might feel angry about that. 
But my response might be a little bit radical. And I can say that the cross is in our hearts. The cross is already in our life, and we do not need to fear of losing the visible cross. We do not need to be disappointed and get angry and sad about losing the visible building because the Christians are the church. Christians are the church. And we are the group of people who call from the world by God together to worship Him. So whatever we are, when there is a Christians, there is a church. And in this church, we have the life of the cross. So the author of Hebrew invites us to look at it from a very different perspective from those Jewish Christians. And the writers exhort the Jewish Christians to catch the real focus, to cling on the invisible God, the real essence of our faith. The symbolic in the Old Testament, the old liturgy system, is a foreshadowing of the coming Christ, and Christ has come. And notice when the author of Hebrew talks about the old sacrificial system, the sacrifice, the limits sacrifice, and the pure and ultimate sacrifice, which is Jesus. And when they see the animal, when they see the goat and the bull, they were reminded that their sin are still not forgiven. They were reminded of their own sin. And for Christians, when we look at the creator and the ultimate of our faith, Jesus Christ, and we are reminded that from eternity, God has forgiven our sin. God has forgetting all our sin, all our guilt, and our punishment. And that is why the author of Hebrews says that right now we have the confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Now we can have the confidence. And notice that Jesus, when he enters the holy of the holies, he doesn't enter that place alone. He brings us into this place. Just for a reference, when, when, the, when the priests in the Old Testament, when they enter the holy of the holies, only high priests can enter into that place. And when he entered into that place, he will open the curtain, open the veil, only he will see the real picture, the real imaginations of the holy of the holies. But God is at work at this hand. And on the cross, on the crucifixion of Jesus, the temple, the veil of the temple, the curtain of the temple was torn into half. Now what does that mean? The way to God, the way to join in union with God, the way to be with God forever and ever in eternity has been opened. Now that veil is the body of Christ. And the body of Christ was torn apart like a veil. And so that we can enter into the presence of God forever and ever. And nothing, and we are no longer separate from God. 
So as we celebrate the Holy Communion, then we'll not just commemorate the death of Christ, the crucifixion of Christ, the breaking of His body. We're also celebrating, and because of the body of Christ, and because of the piercing of the cross, Jesus on the cross, that we're now always in the presence of God. And because of that, we can freely come to God. And before we might doubt that, to come to the holy, to come to the presence of God, which is the holy of the holies, it might be a scary thing. And we might doubt that, can we really pray to God? Can we really sense the security? Can we have the assurance that we have a true relationship with God? And right now we can say that because of the piercing of Christ, we can have the relationship with God. And so the Christians are a group of people with faith. Christians, it's faith. And so here it mentions by the new and the living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is through His flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God who laid a firm foundation of our salvation, so what should we do? And let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So right now we can come to God with full assurance that we can acknowledge that God loves us. God is with us. We can have faith with God. And Christians are not just a group of people on personal level. It's have faith. And in verse 23, and the author says that let us hold fast the confidence of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And Christians are not only people who have faith in God, but also who have hope. Now when God sworn by his holy name, when he says that I will accomplish what I have promised to you, and he does not lie. His promises become the foundation of our hope. So the eternal sacrifice has been offered. The high priest, Jesus Christ, has done a great job, and the salvation is ongoing. And all of the Christians right now, we have hope because we know that where we're from and where we go in the future. And there's so many people in the world today are living without purpose and without hope. But Christian, it is different. And although the Christian's present situation is like, like that of the Israelites who were on the way to the promised land, facing a lot of struggles, but we know that we can have hope in Christ. So look at the people in Ukraine. Look at the people, the Christians in China. Look at the people in Middle East. In the most troubled time, in the most severe time, they still have hope on the personal level. 
So not only must Christians have hope and faith in God on personal level, and now the author takes us to the duties of God requires of Christians' community. And verse 24 says that, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good words. And that is a principle, which is to stir up, to consider how to stir up one another to love and do good words. Consider or caring for one another means that we are not just looking at ourselves alone, not to be self-central, but like what the apostles say that let each one not look after our own affairs alone, but the affairs of people. Now, let me, let me just try to give you one example. When we see our body, there is, there is a fun and there is a, an utmost constitutions in our bodies. So picture that when you are sleeping, and suddenly the mosquito fly around your left ear and makes a noise. And it stops at your ears and bites your ears. Now what would you do? Can your ear clear, scratch itself? So right now, subconsciously, our right hand, maybe far away from our left ear, he will start crawl and crawl and crawl and crawl and crawl just to snitch it and just to scratch it, just to clear the itchiness. Now at this point, the left ear is very grateful and say to the right hand, hey, right hand, thank you. But the right hand says that because of your pain, because of your itchiness, your itchiness is my itchiness. If you feel itch, I don't feel well. If you feel itch, the whole body cannot sleep whole night because of that mosquito, because of that itchiness. And so to put it another way, if the right hand says that, thank God, it's the left ear who was bitten by the mosquito, not me. And that is not the mutual concern. Now, as a result, when the mosquito bites the back of the right hand, can you try to bend your finger to the back of your right hand? Can the finger bend it to the back of the hand and scratch it? And likewise, when the left ear was bitten by the mosquito and the right hand offered help to the ear, and the ear says, no, I can do it by my own. And the ear will spend a thousand, ten thousand, hundred thousand years to find a way how to scratch the itchiness. So it is in the body of Christ. There are often two situations. And the first situation is that we know that someone is in trouble, but we refuse to help. And there's another situation is that I am suffering terribly, and I know I'm suffering horribly, and I still refuse to receive help and care 
from my brothers and sisters. So my life will only get harder and harder. So in the body of Christ, we must not only take the initiative to consider, to care for the other people, but we also must allow people to care for us, to concern for our welfare. And that is the organic body. And that is one of the most important principles of the church revival. And it is in this way the church community can live, can move, can operate as one in unity. And the purpose of considering for one another is to stir up love and encourage good words. Picture that when every Christian try to take the initiative to care and concern for one another, and that will stir up the love and the good deeds in this community. And on the other hand, the Christian's community is not just about the principle of love, but we must not neglect our meetings. And when we come to verse 25, it says that not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So we must not give up the fellowship in the worship. Now one day I was, I was with an elderly gentleman in the countryside, and I was helping him to prepare the fire. And later on, the adults came to confront this elderly gentleman. And one of the topics of the conversation was that the gentleman did not think it was necessary to attend any Christian's meeting. And so the elderly gentleman was listening and not moving at all and sitting and listening. And then he got up, picked up the bundle of the wood and laid a fire at the head of the wood and the fire burned brightly. And then he went out to a larger place. Now every step he took, he put down each wood with fire, was on fire. And the, and the gentleman, the adults, followed him and, kept, and keep on giving reasons why Christians should not gather. And there's a lot of reasons. Now when the old gentleman had finished, he said to the gentleman, Look, sir, and at first, the wood I had on fire, it was burning brightly. Now, as you can see, when I scattered all of the woods with fire, they were put off immediately. Now, it is like your spiritual condition. You are bent on going on your own way and you are living out the Christian's community. Do you find every critical argument you make it's a foreshadowing. It's a, ref, it's a reflection of your spiritual condition. Light that isolate the wood on the ground. And yes, you can find every support. You can find every resources about, um, about the point, about the arguments you made on not gathering. But, what, but I have observed the 
by the way you collect the different resources to support your argument. And your actions are simply saying that you need others. You need the other resources and you need the other references. Unless you can think independently, unless you can not rely on the other resources. Otherwise, you can make your argument yourself. But the fact is, you cannot do it. You still need help from the other people. So human beings are social creatures created to relate to each other and we are all dependent on others in the society. And especially Christians, without the support of our brothers and sisters, we can quickly become the lukewarm to our faith and more likely to turn away from God. And therefore, regular gatherings such as Sunday worship service and maybe outside of formal gatherings such as small group is essential. It's only when the believers meet together to encourage, to speak our voice, to voice out our minds and struggle, only in that gathering we can build up each other. So let us gather with others as much as possible to encourage, to comfort, to encourage one another. And most important thing is that the day is drawing near. And we should care for one another, inspire love, encourage good words, and gather often. So may God bless us and let us always look on the new covenant that Jesus has made for us. And let us respond with God by love. And let us walk in this journey with hope. And let us care for the community in our gathering with love. And so let us pray. And Father, we know that because of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, that with the ultimate and perfect sacrifice he has offered, now we have faith, hope, and love. And we can respond to you by faith. We can walk in this journey with hope and we can treat each other with love because you love us, you love us first so that we can love the other people. And so Father helps us to always to look on the perfecter and creator of our faith, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.